We've got the choir performance set up, so there's a little extra distance, but it's a good opportunity to remind you Friday night, come to the choir performance, 7 p.m. Bring, bring a friend, bring two friends, bring five friends, bring 10 friends. Um, the person who brings the most friends will get a reward from Paul Dorinsky, so uh, please be sure to do that. Thank you, Paul. Um, uh, so, um, and also, you know, only, uh, the air, somebody will do that in a second. Only through the Holy Spirit's timing would we be having this piece that tells the story and is such a pure evangelistic piece while we're about to do John chapter 3, verse 16 on Sunday. I, I still am just in awe of his faithfulness and, and with all of that. Um, also, a reminder on a serious note to just continue to keep UNC in our prayers and that community and the kids in the schools in that area, the former school administrator in me, that type of thing takes a toll on communities and going through something like that so close back to back to just keep in prayer, um, keep our own Paul Marini in prayer with his, his role there and a leadership role and everything going on, just be keeping folks in prayer because it truly... Um, you never know how different people are reacting to something like that, which is why we just need to keep the forefront of prayer in our hearts. And it'll be interesting when we get into our text tonight because you can think, how could something like this happen? Where's God's presence? What's going on in our world today? And the psalm that we're going to be looking at hits that so beautifully tonight. Again, God's faithfulness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. For another opportunity to gather in your house, Lord, to come into your word. Lord, we thank you for this living word. We thank you for the manna that it is for us, Lord. We thank you for the reminder it is of your faithfulness, of your character, of who you are, that it allows us to be intimate with you, Lord, to know you, Lord, that we can surrender deeper, Heavenly Father. Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me to deliver what you need tonight, Lord. And Father, just help us to not be distracted, but to focus on you alone, Lord God. And Lord, we also just come together and pray for the students, the administrators, everyone involved, family members away, reading of a lockdown, Lord, just for your peace and your presence, Lord, and in this that people would ponder and pray about eternity and where they will be and come to know you, Lord, and that your word would go forth from us, Lord, as your salt and light. In Jesus' name. Amen. So recap, coming back, we had a brief little pause from Psalms as we last week saw the film American Gospel Christ Crucified. And again, there's ties to what you saw in that film to what we're going to be looking at in Psalms tonight. But last time that we gathered, we were in Psalm 9. And if you recall Psalm 9 and 10, there can be some idea of them being linked together. But in Psalm 9, we have to remember, we first looked at this idea of praising the Lord with our whole heart. What does it mean to praise him with our whole heart? And then we saw the enemies coming for his people, but we saw that faithful rest in who he is, the faithful rest in his sovereignty, the faithful rest in his power. And in Psalm 9:10 we read, and those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Right in the middle of that psalm, it's that golden nugget that we can hold on to. He will not forsake us. We know his name. We put our trust in him. He will not forsake us. And then the psalmist went on, David, to talk about the character of God, the evidence of God. And the charge that you were given two weeks ago was to be in the word and worship. Word and worship, two separate, but together as you never have before. Why do we want to dig in the word so much like that? Because the word reminds us of his character. And in the culture that we're in today, we need that reminder. We need it even more than ever to remember who is God, who is God, who is he? He is on the throne. He is in control. He is sovereign. He is faithful. And why do we worship as never before? Because it lifts him up. And in lifting him up, guess what we're reminded of? Who he is, his faithfulness, his character. So again, if you haven't done it, keep doing it. If you did do it, keep doing it. If you haven't, do it. Worship like you never have before. 
Let Calvary Chapel, Chapel Hill, if you have a neighbor, let them say, my goodness, the people that go to this church are always singing about Jesus and reading the word. Let us be those people. And reflect on how your communion is with his word. How's your communion with worship? Where are you with all of that? Because again, in our culture, that's taking the word of God, that's taking God and pushing him farther and farther and farther and farther out and away. Let's be a people who stand for him. Let's be a people who bring him forth. Now tonight in Psalm 10, we could call this psalm chaos to calm. I could call it confusion to confidence. We could call it cruel character to Christ character. Because that's what we're going to see as we go through this psalm. Now the author is not given, but again, there's the link. When you look at the Septuagint, you'll see 9 and 10 as one. So some people will go linking them together. The author isn't exactly known. Some will say, when you look at it, because it has similarities to Psalm 9, they'll point to, it might be David. And if it is, then if we go with that, I wonder if it was under King Saul, if there was that desire for him with that ruler of saying, please stop the strength of his arm. But I think there's something more beautiful in the fact that we don't have a set author given in this because it gives a reminder to us, the modern day believer, and I think to those who would see it then, This should be a song that we all sing unto the Lord. This should be a prayer. This should be a way that we face the wickedness of the world ourselves, the way that he does this. This is a lament psalm. The title of tonight's message is Our Helper, Our King. I wrestled with either that or know them and know him. But at the end, our helper, our king, because the center is God. The relief that we'll see in this psalm is from God. Now, the psalm opens with the heart of the wicked. Psalms 1 through 9, as we go through those first psalms, we see there's the reality of the duality that we've seen over and over and over again of wickedness. And in Psalm 10 now, we're going to get some details about the wickedness. We're going to see a deeper dive on the wicked, on the rebellious. We're going to get their why. We're going to get their thoughts. We're going to get their self-confidence. We're going to understand their delusion that they believe as truth. We're going to see how they can ignore and disregard the God of creation. We're going to get to see the thoughts that they have and the actions that are a result of those thoughts. And we're going to see how when we shift, looking at the wicked to the confidence in who God is, Despite the presence of the wicked, despite their afflicting, the poor, the needy, the broken, God still is on the throne. He is still in control. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. Their wickedness doesn't change God. Their wickedness doesn't change his faithfulness. So we will be able to answer of the wicked by the end of looking at this psalm why they act. We'll know their why. We're going to answer what they think of themselves. We're going to answer how they act. And we're going to answer how it will end. Now, culturally, when we look at this, there's pain and hurt in our world right now. We can look at that, right? We see pain, we see hurt, and people can wonder how can a good God allow bad things to happen? God can't be good if he's allowing those things to happen. A good God wouldn't do that. We saw that in so much of the film that we watched. And we see that in the text. We see that throughout scripture. We see that in our culture today. And in this psalm, there's the reminders God is sovereign. In this psalm, there's a point that we have to remember. What do we read in Genesis 1-1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's the reality that if that can't be taken, you're not going to take anything. And you're going to just stick and look at yourself. You're going to stay on me, me, me. And that's going to harbor up some things that do not glorify God. Because you're either for God or you're against God. There's no gray. You're either all in or you're not. And there's this reminder again, God will take care of his children. Period. God will take care of his children. Doesn't mean it's going to be the way we think it should be when we're seeking that care. But we rest in the fact that he's sovereign and that he will take care of us. And we look at his character. We get the whole word of God. 
As we look at Psalms, I'm amazed to see the faith they have here. I'm like, you don't even have Jesus yet. You don't have the word of God like we do. And the faithfulness in knowing this is what God will do. Now we're in September 2023, right? We all agree that's the month and the year. Okay, I got that right. Authorities give details on capture of escaped killer in U.S. illegally after intense two-week manhunt. Dethroned pageant star alleges she was forced into porn. Man busted for scheme to collect wife's pension after gruesome find in freezer. Oklahoma school staff board defend drag queen elementary school principal. Democrat mayor hit on the bottom, I'm changing the way that's said, by drag queen, wants to destroy police, prisons, claims Marxism is a real American dream. And then I add to that the lockdown that took place today. Those are news titles I just picked at a random time of day and I said, let me just scroll on different sites and I'm gonna grab a few news titles. We can look and say the world's a mess. We can agree on that, we could get lost in that, we could wallow in that, we could stay in that. As we go through this psalm, you can't stay there. You can't go there. Because as we go through this, we're gonna be reminded of God's faithfulness. We're gonna be reminded of who he is. And we're gonna be getting how to understand where this wickedness comes from. What has someone able to do these things? Who are we fighting in this battle? Psalm 10 is gonna help us understand that. Think of what we saw in John 2, the my way heart, the his way heart, the fake way heart. It's going to connect here. And again, I have to remind you, Look at the scripture the Lord's putting in front of you in your life. What are you reading in your own time? What are you reading presently? What is he putting in church? What is he putting in your own study time? And say, Holy Spirit, show me how it's coming together. How are you weaving this all together? And whatever comes forth, we know what we need to do. Pray to God, turn to God, seek God, live for God, stand for God. And what we need to do is not complain oh, the world is so miserable. Oh, this is so horrible. Oh, oh, oh. Put the O to the Lord. Pray to the Lord. Go to the one who's in control. Don't go to just grousing. Don't go to social media. Go to the one who's in control. Because this psalmist is going to cry out from a heart, not only crying for self, but crying for other people. Who do you cry out for? Who do you cry out to God for? Who are you praying for their heart to be changed? Psalm 10, verse 1. Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? So we see here afar off. We see hiding. We see the psalmist starting with this question. Where are you, God? Why are you so far away right now? Why are you hiding right now, God? Afar is a struggle with his timing. Hiding is a struggle with his ways. We can feel that looking at the world. Where's God right now? What's going on? People can say, you believe in God. Why is he letting all this happen? Why isn't anything being done? Anxiety creeping in. Concerns creeping in. Fear of what's going on. Forgetting he's still on the throne. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But that question is still there for the psalmist in this moment. That question can be there for you, but who do you direct it to? Do you just throw it out there and get lost again in a pity party? Or do you put it to the Lord? Lord, what's going on? Why do you stand afar off, O oh Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? He comes with the genuine feeling to the Lord. And we need to pray like that. And we'll see these feelings turns to faith. And that's what we need to do. When we don't feel like praying, that's the real time you gotta be praying. When you feel that afar off of the Lord, when you feel like God's hiding right now, what's going on? How could all this be happening? Are you just staying there or do you go to the Lord? Lord, what's going on? Lord, why do you feel so distant right now? Lord, why is this so hard right now? What do we know of him? Abba, Father, Daddy, go to your Daddy. Go to him. 
Daddy, what's going on? Why is it like this right now? Times of trouble that we see there, we only see that here, and we saw that in Psalm 9, verse 9. The Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. The translation there is distress into despair. It's a hopelessness. But in that hopelessness, who's he directing it to? God. If you go through social media, which, again, check your screen time. Get off there. Get in the Bible. Pray. Go outside. Look at his creation. But if you scroll through all that, and you look at it, and you feel like, oh, take that ah, and remember the oh, Lord. Go to God. Go to him. Verse 2, the wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. The psalmist gives the situation. The wicked is persecuting the poor. From what? His pride. The my way, the fake way heart, those hearts, pride. A root that keeps people away from God, away from being born again, guess what it is? Pride. Pride, doubt, unbelief. I believe personally you can tie anything that's keeping somebody from the Lord to one of those three. Pride, doubt, unbelief. But pride. Because what does pride do? It exalts self over other. And then in this, what do they do when they're puffed up? They're persecuting the poor. They're persecuting the weak that can't fight back for themselves. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. He wants them to be caught because the plots, Lord, get them. What are they doing? And we see this. We saw this in Psalm 7, 16, where the psalmist David here tells us what happens to them. His trouble shall return upon his own head and his violent dealing shall come down on his own crown. In Psalm 9, verse 16, the Lord is known by the judgment he executes. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Meditation, Selah. It's this reminder that that wicked heart that's anchored in pride, they don't realize, but we have the word of God. We realize it's going to come back on them if they don't repent, if they don't come to him. Their plans aren't going to work. Their plans against God aren't going to work. What did Psalm 2 show us? The nations raged in vanity. They didn't get anywhere with it. And they're coming from a prideful heart because what did we see in Jeremiah 17, 9? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And we look at verse 3. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. That deceitful, desperately wicked heart is the heart that the wicked is focused on boasting from. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. Blesses the greedy. Blesses those that are like-minded. Renounces the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. I don't want that personal relationship. I don't want that God. Because they're puffing themselves up. They're proud in their countenance because it's all about me and where I am. There's no seeking God because it's about me. There's no God in their thoughts because it's about me. Does it sound like our world today? Does it sound like our culture today? Where we have a world where it's saying, live your own truth. You be you. Follow your heart. What's your heart telling you to do? Follow your heart. Go after your heart. The heart's deceitful and wicked above all things, but we're telling everyone, follow your heart. Bless the greedy. It's selfish. It's about those same people who want to do what they want to do, who want to be against God. Let's, let's band together and let's not think about that relationship. And don't seek God. Don't think of him. Don't want anything to do with him. Now, the kicker here is in that not thinking about God, I always say, well, you're spending so much time saying you don't want to think about God. You're actually thinking about God as you're saying that you're not thinking about God because God's real. Newsflash. But that's something we have to be mindful of. What we have is that secular society versus a sacred society. And we've talked before as we've studied, we've lost sacredness in our culture. The idea of the sacred is lost. We push God out. Yet, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yet, Revelation 4.11, we see when we sing, we were created by you and for you. Yet, verse 2, the wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. 
There's an awareness, there's a God, but nothing to do with that. They don't want anything to do with that. Turn with me to Romans chapter one. Again, we get the whole counsel of the word of God. I think we can agree what we just looked at, you can see in our culture today. Then we look at Romans chapter one, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that, God, that are made, sorry, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We have to go back to creation. We've got to be a people who remembers God created the heavens and the earth. You want to get lost in that debate, and if somebody's coming at that, I challenge you, say to them, who made the sky? And they'll give you all different things. Well, who made that first thing? They can never give that answer. We have to get to that first piece and realize creation itself is evidence of God. What did we see when we looked? What is man that you were mindful of him? Remember the charge we had, get outdoors, get in nature. Remember God of creation. Going on, verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. It's a heart issue. The heart's not wanting anything. They're taking the deceit of their heart, professing to be wise, wise in their own eyes. They became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image like, uh, made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. So we see it's going through. We see their why. They want to do their own way. They want to deny God. We see their thoughts. They don't need that God. They're doing their own thing. And we see their actions. Verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, who worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. That battle of man on the earth or king on the throne? Who do you pick to worship? Self or God? And the result, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lust for one another, men, committing, uh, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. There's a result. Then the aftermath. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do they do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Because that's where it comes to, hey, let's get an affinity group that all agree on this thing and let's wave our things and let's get a month that we can make our month and polka dot month, turkey month, ham sandwich month, everybody gets a month. And we've got to realize it's straying away from just being one in Christ. But where does it come from? The heart that's prideful. The heart that says, I want what I want, nothing else. So when we go back to our text in Psalm 10, we have to realize we've got to stop being shocked at what's going on in the world. I'm not saying it's not horrible, but I am saying we have to stop being shocked. Look at Psalm 10. Sounds like what's going on today. Look at what we just read here. Sounds like what's going on today. It's timeless. This is a book of timeless truths. Human nature has had that same battle because it's a reality of the duality. And then for us as believers, we need to remember, saints, we are citizens of what? Heaven. We have to remember that. Turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 18. Philippians 3, 18. For many walk of whom I have told you often 
and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Again, that's that heart that's not focused on God going onwards. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. When we look at our culture, when we look at the wicked, when we look at these things, what do you do with it? Stand fast in the Lord. When these things are going on, do you find which affinity group you can log online, donate money to, get a sticker, put it on the back of a car, I'm a part of this organization now, or are you lost in the fact that your citizenship is in Christ? Church needs to step up, in my opinion. The church of Christ, the body of Christ needs to actually say, yes, I'm American, yes, I want my country to be the best it can be, clearly, but also, more importantly, I am a citizen of heaven. This is my temporary home. My permanent home is with Jesus. Therefore, I stand for the word of God first and foremost. That's where we need to be. That's what our focus needs to be. The wicked say there is no God. And that's also shifted where now we have to see within the church, they'll say there is a God, but they pick and choose and they distort his precious, beautiful word. What do we do? Hold fast. So we see here how they act in verses two through four. Now we're going to go to verse five in Psalm 10, and we're going to see how they think of themselves. How does the wicked heart think of itself? How does the person who's decided, yeah, no, I don't want anything with this God, and we pray for their salvation? Because remember, we know of Jesus. So I want to be clear as we're going through this, don't just say, yeah, those sinners, they're horrible. Let's put them over there. No, we need to be praying for their salvation. And as we look now, what do they think of themselves? Verse 5. His ways are always prospering. Your judgments are far above, out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he sneers at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. So first we see they prosper. It's that question. I remember a young kid when I was doing Bible study at the boarding school was like, well, how does that person that's so bad get so many nice things? They have like nice cars. They got all this good stuff. They've got all this great, good greatness. Well, guess what? God and his sovereignty is allowing that. And I'm not going to question that because I'm told to lay my treasures up where? In heaven. Because where's my citizenship? In heaven. So I rest in God's sovereignty. The psalmist wants that prosperity, that prosperity that they have to take away. He's requesting it of God. We can request that, but guess what? He rests in the sovereign security of knowing God's in control. How do they see themselves? They see themselves, your judgments are far above, out of his sight. They're above God's judgment. They're above the law. He said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. When the believer in Christ says that, we're standing on what? The word of God, Christ's character, who he is. When the wicked says, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. What are they standing on? Me, 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 me. I'm strong enough. I'm good enough on my own. I don't need to be born again. I can do this on my own. That's the culture of, I got this. That's what that is. Verse 7, his mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. This verse comes up in Romans 3, uh, verse 14, and we see it level setting and making it clear all are sinners. Paul uses it there to say the Jews, Gentiles, it's all. We're all sinners. Cursing, deceit, oppression, trouble, iniquity. It's the reality of the wicked. How can they do that? Well, guess what? If you don't think God holds you accountable, you can do anything. And think of what we saw in the film where we're looking at the progressive Christianity that's coming. What do they do? They remove God's judgment. Well, I don't want to serve a God that's a God of wrath. I'm not going to do that. I, my God doesn't have wrath. Because it's, again, pride. 
I don't want to have to change. I don't want to have to make those things. There's doubt. There's no way he could be that. There's unbelief. I don't believe that. There's no need to change. I don't need to be born again. I'm fine as I am. And we saw this past Sunday when we looked at Galatians 5. We have the works of the flesh and we have the fruit of the spirit. The deceitful heart, the wicked heart, guess all it's going to make? Fleshly work. Doesn't glorify God. Causes destruction. Causes destruction. Now we're going to see how they act. Verse 8. He sits in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places, he murders the innocent. His eyes are secretly fixed on the helpless. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor. He catches the poor when he draws him into his net. So he crouches, he lies low, that the helpless may fall by his strength. He has said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see. They're sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Lurking, crouching, lion-like. 1 Peter 5.8, turn there. 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Take comfort, others are going through the battle. It's not just you. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, because there's going to be those trials. What does he do? Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, when we look at that passage, verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion. Then we go back to where we are in Psalm 10, and we even see verse 9. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. When we think of the wicked, we've got to realize something, saints. There's one enemy, Satan. Don't get lost in making people the enemy. Oh, this person. Oh, that person. Oh, this politician. Oh, this person. Oh, that. There's one enemy. Now, they're either for God or they're not for God. But guess what? What does Jesus tell us to do with our enemies? Love them. If you realize there's one enemy and that person isn't under Christ, they're under Satan, I got to pray for them. I got to love on them. I've got to show them the grace and mercy that Jesus showed me. Because raise your hand if you had no sin before Jesus saved you. Why is no one raising their hand? We all had things. We all still have things. If we're going to be real church, that's what we journey through. But the reality is we know Jesus. We've surrendered to him. We understand Numbers 32, 23, but if you do not do so, then take note, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. That is a verse that, again, when we talk about sharing with people, part of my journey to salvation was one of my buddies coming to visit me at college and I was really living it up. Youth knows this story already. And I lent him my computer. Well, I was in rehearsal. Didn't think anything of it. I had a lot of special pictures of all how I was living it up on my computer. He didn't say anything. I thought I had hidden everything. I'm like, I'm good, whatever, it's fine. And I got that very verse texted to me that night. And I called him. And I was like, what does this mean? He's like, I love you. Why didn't you tell me what's going on? And I was supposed to sing at an event that night called Heaven and Hell. And as... Uh, dancers were getting ready to prepare for it. One of them got injured. The event was canceled. And he just said, your sin's finding you out, man. Wrestle with God. Was my best man in my wedding. But that struck. And I share that to remind us, put the word of God in front of people. When the sin's there, put the word of God in front of them. Because guess what? I didn't get mad at him. I couldn't get mad at him. I was honestly mad at the Bible. And then when I realized, well, who wrote the Bible? God, I'm like, God, why are you putting this in there? What do you, what do you mean my sin's going to find me on? Yeah, 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 yeah. But that led to life change. 
So when we look at the wicked, when we look at the person in sin, it's not a fight with them. It's a fight with Satan. It's a fight to say this soul needs to be Jesus's. I need to pray for this person. I need to show them his grace, his mercy, his love. And when we look at this sneaking around, this crouching, this going low, I can't help but think, if you think of those positions, if you have to live in those positions, your body's going to ache a little bit, true or false. It's going to be tired. The flesh gets tired. And it's beautiful when we look at Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8. Something we all know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Submit everything to him. Be under his sovereignty and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And then what is it? It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Because you're not hiding anymore. You're not crouching. You're not sneaking around. You're not stretching to crawl underneath so that nobody can see you. Pulse check though. In your life right now, is there anywhere you're lurking? Is there anywhere you're secretly? Is there anywhere you're crouching? Is there anywhere that's hidden? If we put on these screens your thoughts, what would we see? If we took your devices that you have and unlocked them and just opened up your devices, what might we find? Again, when we look at sinners in Scripture, we always have to point it to ourselves too. I'm not saying we don't address sin in people. We do that through the word, but we've got to always be searching ourselves. So when we see this, again, don't get lost on the <laughs> sinners. What are you hiding? That's something for you to take with the Lord. We go on in Psalm 10, verse 11. He has said in his heart, God has forgotten he hides his face. He will never see. So this is where the heart is so deceitful and wicked that comes to this place of thinking, one, God doesn't see them. God doesn't care about them. That's where that heart gets to that point. God doesn't care. God doesn't even see what I'm doing. God doesn't care. Numbers 32 that we looked at, that proves otherwise. He does. He sees everything. Romans 1 shows he sees everything. But when we push God out, we can think to a degree, God won't know. But guess what? He is. Verse 1 of our text, Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? It's the reality for the believer, when God feels distance, there's a pain and a yearning for his closeness. For the person who's in deception and in the wickedness, when God feels distance, they trick themselves into false security. God doesn't know. God doesn't care. I'm good. I got this. doesn't matter. And then they think, I'm good enough. I'm a good person. I've never robbed anybody. I'm a good person. I never killed anyone. I'm a good person. What? I'm good. I don't need to be born again. What did we learn this past Sunday? You must be born again. So this gives us a deeper understanding for that person who is in that place of, I'm good. We realize they're coming from a place where pride has puffed so much up that they can't surrender. They can't let go. And for us, we need to be vigilant and on guard that we don't let that creep in at all. And if it starts to creep in, we remember, who am I in Christ? It is written. What, how did Jesus fight in the wilderness? It is written. It is written. It is written. Challenge. What are your battle verses? What verses have you written in your heart that you don't lurk or creep, that you don't sin against him? What verses have you written in your heart to remember the character and evidence of who he is? That when you are with that person who has so much sin and is so prideful, you can trust the Holy Spirit to give you the words and just say, you know, in Christ, you can be a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, therefore he is a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. All things become new. And let that do the speaking. Now, verse 12. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. So we saw how they act. We saw how they think of themselves. We saw why they act. And now we see how it all ends. And there's a shift that takes place in verse 12. We see the psalmist cry out. We see the psalmist pour out on everything that's going on. And the shift comes. How does the shift come? One way a shift will only ever come, looking to God. Arise, O Lord. God, move. God, do what you do. O Lord, O God. We've talked about those O's. 
and Lord, the personal relationship. And he says, don't forget the humble, pleading for those afflicted. Don't forget them, Lord. That shift occurs because it's looking up and looking unto God. Then verse 13, why do the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, you will not require an account. Again, the question that comes, it's not that we don't ask questions of God, but ask them to God. He takes this question, why do the wicked renounce God? And then he has the answer right after that because he says, they have said in his heart, you will not require an account. But take the question that you have to God and the second thing to realize, and we saw it last week in the movie, we've seen it throughout scripture, when you don't think you have to give God an account, you deceive yourself and think there's no point of pursuing him. I'm not, there's no judgment day coming. I'm never gonna be accountable. Always lead to heaven. Always lead to him is what they say. And then you're deceived and you just think you don't need to be born again because you're good enough. I don't need this, Jesus. I'm good enough. I don't need that. I'm not gonna follow a God like that. My God loves me as I am. That's the heart so deceived. This should change the way we pray for unsaved people because it should break our hearts to realize where their hearts are. It gives new meaning when we sing that song, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Think of the Calvary Chapel movement. What did it come out of? Grace. We have to be churches rooted in grace. God's grace, the gift, the love, the mercy that says, hey, I just, you're, you're here. Awesome. Great. And then guess what? Put the word of God and then guess where? Not by man, but by what? His spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The word and spirit. In John, what did we just see? The parents of salvation are the word and spirit. Put the word forth. Let the spirit do its work. That's what we need to be with the wicked. That's what we need to be with the sinful. Verse 14, but you have seen for you observe trouble and grief. To repay it by your hand, the helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. How does it end? Faith in God. He's saying now, you've seen. You know the trouble. You know the grief. You're going to take care of it. The helpless are committed unto you. And guess what? You're the helper of them. This is saying God sees. God's going to handle it. God is the just judge. Isn't that a gift? That's a gift. Whatever comes against you, God's got this. God's the just judge. He shifts from how he feels in this moment to faith. The psalmist, I don't think starting at verse one, why do you stand afar off suddenly now by this verse feels like, oh my goodness, everything's fixed. I don't think the psalmist has seen everything is fixed, but I do know the psalmist has said, I'm not gonna stand on my feelings. I'm gonna go in faith in who you are, Lord. And I'm gonna keep going in faith and I'm gonna root in that faith. I'm not gonna go in how I feel. I'm gonna go in faith. That's what we need to do, saints. When we look at our world, we can't go on how we feel, how, oh, this is so heavy, this is so burdensome. No, look to the faith and look to who Christ is. Look to who our Savior is. Look to the King. Look to Him. Word of faith has gotten destroyed in our culture because it's become this prosperity thing. Word of faith prayers matter, saints, but it's word of faith in the promises of our King. That's what it's about. It's in the promises of who He is. It's in the promises of the gospel. Verse 15, break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. Break the arm. The arm is the strength. He pleads for God, stop their strength. Stop the way they're able to do all of this. Now, God in his sovereignty, in some cases, that's going to stop. In some cases, it's not. But we know how it ends. We know God has the eternal judgment to come. And that's where we have to rest. And again, for us with the whole word of God, that's why we gotta be praying for salvation. That's why we've gotta be praying for hearts to be changed. That's why we've gotta be praying. Remember John 3, we saw the wind over faith. We've gotta pray, give that faith that people would believe. Closing, verse 16 to 18. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may oppress no more. In Exodus 15, 18, when they come out, what do we see in the Song of Moses? 
The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Exodus 15, 18. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Verse 16. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his land. Guess what? It's security and faith in the king. Verse 17. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear. This is the security in God hearing. This is the security in trusting the Holy Spirit's power to convict, to prepare the heart to come to salvation. And guess what? It's trusting. If they don't come to you, you've got this. You have the full judgment to do justice, verse 18, to the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may oppress no more. I'm going to trust your judgment. I'm going to trust your timing because you're our helper, our king. The title of tonight's message. The psalm opens in defeat and it ends in victory. The psalm opens in chaos and ends in calmness. How? He looks to who God is. He looks to the character of who God is. And he prays in faith. It's the prayer of this illness is still here. The doctors don't know what's going to go on. But Lord, I know that you will bring healing. You'll either bring the healing or you're going to take me away from this sickness. That's the promise. The promise that we're citizens of heaven. Lord, this trial is really hard and you have given the Holy Spirit who dwells within me, who will help me, who will comfort me and you show in Acts that your Holy Spirit gives power. It gave power for them to preach in all the world and face persecution. Give me that power, Lord, an ounce of it to face the trial I'm in. That's what we do. That's what we need to turn to. So what does Psalm 10 mean for us? It's a reminder that we get to see the heart behind the wickedness. When we look to this wicked world, God's given us the details, the footnotes of what's going on. Why? Pride. Hearts that are deceived. Hearts that have decided I'm above God and don't need him. Hearts that have decided he won't judge. Hearts that are sneaky and crafty and swarming around to do their wicked deeds. And they get allies and they build affinity groups so they can feel great about each other. But how does it end? God's justice. God's eternal judgment. So what do we do with all of that? Remember, you've got the ending in your hands. We've got the whole playbook. It's kind of cool when you really think about it. We got the whole playbook. We got the whole thing. But we're here for such a time as this. What are you doing with your playbook? Are you using it? Are you in play? Or are you sitting on the bench and just waiting and watching, complaining, grousing? Oh, I got a cramp. I can't move. I can't go right now. I got a cramp. No, get off the bench and get in the game. Share who he is. Share his love. Share his grace. Share his mercy. Charge for this upcoming week. One, reevaluate your prayer life for the people you consider wicked and evil in your life. That person that if I said, okay, if I started tonight and said, give me a list of the people who are ticking you off right now. How are you praying for them? How are you thinking about their heart? How are you praying for them? Anchor in the word of God. That's the second thing. It's back again. I'm saying it again. Get in the word of God. Lamp and light for our body, for our journey, for our feet. <coughs> Get in the word of God. We need to be in that. That needs to be it. It needs to be the anchor. The church is struggling the way it is because we're losing the anchor of the word. Get in the word of God. And as you are anchoring in the word of God, examine the gaps. The gaps? Yeah. I talked about it Sunday. Are you having protein shakes? Or are you having meat? And then there's another gap that you need to examine. What's your communion with the Holy Spirit? Because if you think of the wicked and you're like, there is no way I could pray for that person. Well, if you commune with the person of the Holy Spirit and don't abuse him and remember he's an actual person that's there to help you and equip you and give you power, you could ask him, give me a heart for them. Give me the ability to pray for them. Give me the ability to go speak to this person. So we have to do that. We have to commune with the Holy Spirit and we miss the Holy Spirit a lot. Commune with the Holy Spirit. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Seek the Holy Spirit's filling. Don't get lost in the chaos of our times. Get lost in the character of Christ.
Don't get lost in the chaos of the times. Get lost in the character of Christ. Get lost in the prayers for salvation. Get lost in seeking how he needs you to live, stand, and serve for such a time as this. Because all of us that are here, Calvary Chapel, Chapel Hill, is here for this time and season for a reason. The door of utterance has been opened. We need to do it. And as we do it, come back to Psalm 10 and remind yourself of the heart behind the wickedness you see. And remind yourself of the faithfulness of God. And then say, Holy Spirit, equip me. Send me. Do what he needs you to do for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this reminder, Lord. Thank you, Father God, that in your word you give us multiple accounts of understanding sin, Lord. And we have our own lives, our own sin nature that gives that to us, Lord. But your word gives us opportunity to ponder the bigger picture of sin in this world, Lord. The wickedness that we see and to remember the heart behind it and to remember that there's one enemy we're fighting, Lord. Help us, Father God, to be a people who show your love to the afflicted and show your love to the wicked that they may come to salvation. Help us, Lord, to present your word to those that are in sin, to show and let the word do what it does through your spirit, Lord, that we would pray for the boldness to share, Father God, and that we would in faith surrender and trust. Lord, help us to be the people you need us to be for such a time as this, Lord, giving all for your glory, Lord, for you, as we look at our world, Lord, we can have so much despair, but as we look to you, we have eternal hope because this isn't our home. But this is a place where we are called to be your bondservants, to be your light, to be your hands and feet, to be your salt. So help us to do that, Lord. And Father, help us to search where we're sneaking and creeping and hiding and lurking, to cleanse our temples, to run the race for your glory denying self, purified by you and for you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.